0: to another edition of Rebellion's educational series. Today, we're gonna look at the changing landscape of the news with a great veteran newscaster, Moshe Wanunu, former executive producer of CBS Evening News, former international editor of Bloomberg TV. Moshe, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: It's great to be with you.
0: It's our pleasure. I've gotta say, your stories on Instagram are just intriguing and fascinating, Probably my favorite part of Instagram now is looking forward to your stories, I have to say. Well, I, I greatly
1: appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad to be joining you here. Um, it, it's an interesting evolution I think we've seen on that platform. I only started taking to Instagram uh, to effectively curate news this spring as kind of COVID started to hit its peak. And the feedback I was getting from friends and family at the time was, we don't know what to believe. There's just a lot of noise out there. There's just so many headlines coming at us. Like, what do we need to know? And Twitter um, has been there for news information for a while. There's a lot of noise out there, too. Instagram seemed pretty clean and, and naturally just felt like the platform in 2020. Um, like, you, you know, you've had enough of uh, rainbows and, and scenic things in your, in your personal life. And it's a place to share news and information. Uh, and that has really evolved over the course of the last six months. So I kind of saw my goal was to kind of winnow things down especially around Corona initially, what numbers do you need to know? What are reliable factual websites and stories to turn to? And then as the news kind of evolved to Black Lives Matter uh, through the spring, you kind of saw that uh, across the platform, across the spectrum, more and more folks taken to uh, Instagram, not just for pictures, but for text uh, and information. And so that evolution has continued. And so that's, it's been a, um, uh, a unique, uh, place to be doing it. It's been great to kind of grow an audience there and really experiment with uh, what's possible when it comes to news on on IG.
0: Yeah, I, it really made me think of the movie, um, sorry, the, the, the company The Skim. It's uh, a, a great news website, 7 million subscribers, uh, and your Instagram story is almost a condensed version of that without kind of the fluff. And I, I, I wondered to myself, is this the future of the news? Will, you know, uh, you know, interesting people like Mosh on Instagram be, you know, the sources for, you know, the future delivery of the news? I mean, the CBS Evening News, that can't be the future of the news, is it? I mean, where do you see that playing in also, by the way? So lo- there's a lot there, so I'm going to break it down. No. One of the ways
1: that I kind of view um, what I do is kind of like, marrying the skim to Drudge Report on Instagram. Um, and so ideally kind of uh, sifting through all the media and all the stories that are out there and trying to give you a sense of like, here's a few dozen of the headlines and photos uh, that you should know about or that you might want to know about and, and, and a mix therein that feels natural to the platform. Um, and I think you see this evolution all the time, right? Facebook started out in Mark Zuckerberg's dorm room, uh, not anticipating that you know, less than 10 years later, It would be a central news source uh, for hundreds of millions of people around the world. You know, it's interesting to me that Facebook is now probably the number one source of news more than your traditional media platforms. Uh, Twitter saw an evolution. It was initially a place to be sharing what you ate for lunch and turned into a hub now where if you work in the media or you work in politics, that is a place that you live and breathe. And Instagram, you've seen kind of a gradual evolution there too. So it's very interesting, I think, as an observer and user of these platforms to see Kind of how they evolve and, and how what role news plays in there, as far as how people are getting their news, um, you know I have always been a believer that you know embrace every platform and see if there's an opportunity to inform and provide content on those platforms. One of the things I worked at at CBS was the development of our twenty uh, four hour streaming news channel, um, and so effectively creating a cable news network but on digital platforms in starting in twenty fourteen, and one of the things. That we focused on was okay, what are all the available platforms out there? And so we focused on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, but then beyond that, PlayStation and Xbox. Now, you might find it surprising, but we found hundreds of thousands of daily users of the CBS News app on PlayStation and Xbox. And in some of those cases, it was parents who left it on as their streaming device after the kids played games, or you know, adults who play video games but also wanted to get their news. And so, you know, for those of the folks out there looking at content strategy, uh, you know, a lot of what we look at is, you know, what are the potential avenues out there as they continue to kind of blow up, uh, you know, one by one on a daily basis and, you know, see what you can do within your bandwidth to experiment on each of them and see where there's actual potential and potential audience there and that you can grow a strategy that you can monetize over time. Now to answer the final question, the evening news, that is uh where uh I ran the kind of traditional half hour evening news that's been around since uh summer of nineteen forty-eight. Um there was a time where there was only two networks, two newscasts. ABC comes around in the 70s, uh
0: and then Walter cable Cronkite news starts. Competitors. Walter uh, sorry? Walter Cronkite had very few competitors. I mean Yeah,
1: few, um
0: few Yeah. He had Huntley and
1: Brinkley at NBC, and there was Walter Cronkite at CBS. And so you had that for um, you know, a number of years. Eventually, ABC comes around, so now you have three networks. Uh, Rupert creates Fox in the late 80s, and so now you have a fourth network, though they never really kind of developed the national newscast. But through the 80s and 90s, you saw the proliferation of cable, so the development of CNN in the early 80s. And then in 96, you get MSNBC and Fox News. So suddenly, by 96, you've now doubled the number of kind of news sources you can gain on a daily basis. And now then with the advent of the Internet, now you have thousands, tens
0: of thousands of sources and on multiple platforms. By the way, most, news. may I interrupt you? I've got to ask, while we're in the, the mid to late 90s, headline news for me as a near 40 year old was, uh, you know, dominated my life in the, the mid to late 90s. And then it, it faded away. Why did headline news fade away? What, what happened there? Can you, can you... I, think,
1: I think you can see, I mean, no, I can't draw causation, but I think there's a, 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 a distinct correlation there between the internet and headline news as a real hourly format, kind of needing to reimagine itself. Once you know, once you have sources online to get your updates, um, headline news loses its kind of stranglehold on the marketplace. And so headline news goes through a number of evolutions through the early 2000s and 2010s as kind of a legal network. They, they've tried various content strategies, Turner has, um, around what to do with headline news. But the half hour wheel, like these are the top of your headlines, then you you know you're, know you're getting sports at 22 past the hour. Those days
0: started to shift um, once the internet that's comes a, around and you have all
1: these news sources.
0: I was gonna say, that's, that's really a vestigial organ at this point. It's totally unnecessary. You know, shifting backwards towards video games, You know, Rebellion Research did a study, actually, of immersive media, and we found that, by far, video games are the most immersive of any platform out there. People spend far more time and are far more concentrated on video games than than anything else. So the idea that one day news and video games will be, you know, Married in some form, kind of seems seems natural, if you will. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft started moving towards the news eventually. Is that? Could you see that? I, I,
1: I I've 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 heard it anecdotally uh, from gaming developers who are looking to update um, this scenery and their plot lines around um, you know real time events um, and to ensure that their gamers uh, are able to. Uh, game in an environment that, you know, feels relevant to the moment. And we've even seen this year, you know, that uh, programming or content around video games that would have made sense or seemed fine until uh, the social movements of the spring and summer uh, needed to, you know, quickly get into gear and adapt to adapt to the times and adapt to the language and adapt to the types of things that uh, folks are, are comfortable with. So I think that um, there is an opportunity both on the content stride uh, to see kind of where gaming can learn lessons from the news or adapt real time events into uh, their structure but also that you know one of the things i you know i'd mentioned is that gaming platforms also are adding apps news apps on them so you might you know be on the gaming platform take a break to watch the headlines
0: get back to your gaming you can all do that on one device uh, no an- another idea that i've heard uh, bantered about is that with the advent of 5g uh, you know, virtual reality gaming will finally have its day. Who knows? That's been the, you know, the, the false promise for almost 30 years now. I, I remember going back into the, even the late 80s, we had virtual reality. People were excited about it. And it's just, it's, it's continually had false start after false start after false start. But with 5G, maybe finally we'll see it and we'll, we'll get the content. And in the, these virtual reality games, News will be fed. You'll be walking around, you know, your Fortnite. You'll be walking around your Super Mario World, and you know, may, you know maybe news will flash through if that's an option you want. Uh, it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's you know, obviously. More-
1: yeah, I think I think anything is possible. I think one of the questions that any news organization or any media company with a with a news arm asks is, you know, uh, where is there opportunity here? And is it worth the investment in personnel uh, on that platform? So I know that uh, the virtual reality conversation is now into its second decade. um, And there have been experimentation uh, by a number of brands uh, to try to kind of shoot things in a special way for VR, uh, though there hasn't been that much, it
0: seems at this point, appetite from consumers uh, on that end. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll wait on that. You know, there's a huge also lack of content and... Uh, Interesting uh, point I heard from the uh, head of uh, USC's Computer Games Department, that there are 400 different types of VR headsets in China. And yet there's like two or three actual VR developers. And so there's no content yet. And so, you know, hopefully when we have content, eventually we can see an integration. But Mm -hmm. I've got to ask, how do you feel about all of the news being disseminated on Facebook? What, 80 90, what percentage of Americans now are getting their news with Facebook? Besides your Instagram feed, I probably get most of my news from Facebook. I, I,
1: I've seen various polls out there. It's anywhere between uh, 50% to up to three quarters of Americans are getting some or most of their news
0: uh, via Facebook and other social media these days. And by the way, how do you walk the tightrope of staying... Uh, bipartisan as a newsman. It's, it seems so hard these days. And one of the things I see is so impressive about your Instagram story and that keeps me watching is that you managed to be so informative without taking a partisan view, which seems to be so tough uh, in your industry.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I've, I've always been drawn to journalism
0: um, because
1: uh, I, you know, I was interested in politics, but Learned very early on. I went to school at GW in Washington D.C. and interned on Capitol Hill, um, and became a bit disenchanted uh, with uh, what I saw. Were you know uh, hypocrisy on, on both sides, and so I knew naturally my place was in, in journalism uh, to be able to both inform the public of what was going on and call out uh, and call officials to account when uh, they needed to be. And so you know, it's it's funny. I I've learned for a while now in my career take a step back and just focus on, all right, what is happening? Why is it happening? What is the history behind this and the context that the viewer needs to know and just lay the facts out there uh, and hope that that will uh, enable Americans and voters uh, and people globally to make good decisions, both in the voting booth, uh, in business and in their personal lives. And so I know that as the country kind of becomes, the partisan divide grows, 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 that it becomes difficult. But I found that the best way to earn trust from the folks consuming your content is to be as fair as humanly possible and also recognize that some folks wanna get their news and information from a partisan source, right? A source that makes them feel comfortable, that might agree with their vantage point, that might give them the news with a with a lens towards their beliefs. Um, and there certainly exists many on the right and there certainly exists many on the left. Uh, and so I think there's a unique space for us in the middle, those of us who are in the middle who try our best to on DNC week to give you, you know, everything that's going on at the DNC, good, bad, and ugly, and RNC week to give you everything that's good, bad, and ugly, to
0: the extent that me, um, I'm able to do that by myself. It's not easy. I I always stress it to my students. You know, this summer, we had 110 uh, researchers, and making it clear to them that politics had no place at Rebellion Research was something that I Continually had to remind them. It's, it's it's unbelievable how often the human just naturally gravitates towards politics. But you know, I, I I've learned to live in a kind of very middle world myself, where mm-hmm. I, I view every issue you know as bluntly as possible, and you know we'll try to take a, a fair point of view, if you will. So you know. I've, yeah, the, the
1: if you watch an hour of MSNBC and an hour of Fox News, the truth lies somewhere in between.
0: Oh, well said. I, I I really couldn't agree more. So that brings us to the next question. What is the future of news? Is it going to be more and more partisan news, you know, just Republican this and Democrat that, you know?
1: Well, it, you know, it, it depends on, on what part of the news uh, media landscape we're talking about. So
0: since we, Our you know, TV. we just brought up,
1: yeah, if we're talking about TV and cable news. So, you know, view it as like, so you have broadcast television, which has existed since, you know, Uh, the the TV came out. So those are the the main networks I talked about, those traditional networks that you can still get via antenna, right? ABC, NBC, CBS, your local PBS affiliate, and Fox. Um, They have a, you know, most of those uh, networks have a morning program and an evening program. The median age of those viewers is in their early to mid-60s. That's diminished over time, especially with the advent of cable, though it's effectively been flatlined When you look at those evening news programs, the old Pronkite program that became Dan Rather, Peter Jennings, Tom Brokaw, these days it's David Muir, Lester Holt, and Nora O'Donnell with the morning shows. Those guys effectively flatlined around 06, which is when you saw full cable distribution in America. And so they came down and then they basically stayed flat for the past 14 years until COVID, where you've seen a big peak and then kind of a return to where they were pre-COVID. And so you, you see that those programs exist as kind of legacy programs, uh, the morning shows in particular make a, a profit for those media companies. Uh, you know, the Today Show is four hours, plus they repeat it overnight. So you could say that nearly 25% of NBC's lineup is the Today Show. Good Morning America is a couple hours. They've added an afternoon show because it's so lucrative. And, and, uh, and CBS has a two-hour show. And so those are uh, profit centers for those news divisions. You know, CBS uniquely has 60 Minutes. And so those shows exist. I think they'll continue to exist because there's also uh, a sense within those organizations now owned by, Viacom, Disney, and Comcast, that they also are part of the social responsibility of those networks to provide folks with a news program you know, twice a day out of tradition. And I don't know that you'll see any of them at any anytime soon. Then you have the cable news side. And to your point, you've seen this kind of increasing partisan, uh, partisan divide. CNN of the 1980s, uh, which kind of, CNN blows up in the first Persian Gulf War, into a real thing where people are like, oh my God, I can see news in real time. I don't have to wait till the evening or the morning to see this. CNN blows up as a kind of a straightforward source. And then you see the the rise of Fox News in 96. Fox News goes through some several evolutions, but, you know, is pushing a fair and balanced uh, perspective, uh, you know, especially, but at night kind of, took the tack of at night we have opinion programming and it's on the right and during the day we do news. And so we do news, it's kind of a newspaper. We have our news section, we have our opinion section. And that was the viewpoint kind of early on that Roger Ailes took on at Fox News and also the feeling that there was a 50% of America at least that felt they weren't represented by the mainstream media. What you eventually see there with Fox News is that there's an opportunity there to grow an audience and keep an audience. The typical CNN viewer as of a few years ago watched for 12 minutes. The average Fox News viewer watched for four hours. And so what he saw was that by opinion programming and keeping a certain viewpoint, you, it's a huge business opportunity because you're keeping an audience watching for a very, very long time. And so MSNBC experiments with that, with the left, uh, with Keith Olbermann in the mid-2000s, kind of tries to bring it back to straightforward news reporting, but has really found it's, its niche now with Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes, liberal programming, especially in the Trump era, And seen you now see, if you look at the top 25 highly rated cable news programs, uh, it's MSNBC, Fox News fighting for number one, because they've effectively borrowed the Fox playbook and taken it to the left. And then CNN, you know, has kind of gone in that direction in recent years, too.
0: So, so, I mean, do you see CNN? uh, I guess let's not talk about specific. uh, But that's... The future you see where we're going to have more and more and more partisan uh, news TV. It,
1: it, especially as you look at the audience of cable. So now we were talking about the rise of cable, right? Full cable 06. Now you have in the past decade streaming and cord cutting. So over the course of the past few years now, people are cutting the cord and the cable, the people who still have cable is an older audience. And so when I said the ABC, NBC audience is in their early to mid 60s, the primetime cable news audience is in their late 60s, sometimes early 70s, depending on your program. Sure. And so that is a that is a different audience. And there's an audience that seems to have um, really responded to uh, more partisan programming. And, you know, you have a younger generation, and by younger, I mean under 55, uh, who are all getting their news on various digital platforms. So the interesting, you know, you could make a case that, once you're informed of the headlines via your phone, via Google News, via whatever your you know, website are, whatever your social media platform is, what's the reason to turn to cable news at night? Well, maybe I want some opinion or some analysis because I already kind of I feel like I know the details.
0: Oh, I see. Well, you know, we're, we're coming at the end of the show and I've got to ask you a very important question to me. Newspapers, are we going to see them in the future? Are they going to disappear? What's your opinion on that?
1: So. It's been a tough. It's been a tough go uh, for now about 20 years for newspapers. You were kind of at peak peak employment of newspapers and peak uh, profit for newspapers right around the year 2000. Well, what happened? Craigslist was kind of the first killer of them. Right, your classified ads were the core of the newspaper business. Once classifieds and you know your ability to sell a car, sell a home, um, all the various things that you do went online. Newspapers lost the core profit. Then at that same time, uh, newspapers gave away their content for free online. And they did that for a while. You know, there's kind of a lesson there. They, they in their own way, uh, were ineffective in the early years of the internet, the same way the music business was. And so newspapers, once they realized people are cutting their subscribers, etc., cetera, um, and had to cut, 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 cut. Um, they start to challenge and and navigate some really difficult waters. To answer your question, I don't think newspapers die. I think the print edition of most of the newspapers will die over the course of the next decade or two. Even the New York Times Times admitted that recently. And the New York Times is owned by a billionaire, as is the Washington Post, owned by a billionaire. Um, And then you have a whole bunch of newspapers that were once great, the Chicago Tribune, the Orlando Sentinel, the Baltimore Sun, bought by um, some hedge funds uh, that have sought some profit from them, uh, and left them behind, left, you know, really some bare skeletons behind. And so you have news deserts now around the country, uh, with news deserts, meaning entire areas and parts of states that don't have any local news source. And that is, uh, that is extremely concerning. Uh, The hope is given the way technology is evolving, that, you know, entrepreneurs can get into that space. And I'm talking to some right now in terms of um, I've, you know, I'm consulting for some businesses right now that are looking at ways to innovate in that local news space, given that, you know, uh, the existing business dried up for newspapers. And, and can you think differently? The athletic is an interesting model for uh, online content uh, when it comes to sports. And the question is, can you support that in, in straight news? I do enjoy the
0: athletic. Uh, that would be interesting that uh, you know, local news definitely needs something there. There's there's definitely a, a need and a, a desire and interest. Well, this was fantastic, Moshe. You were uh, such a great guest. Uh, I couldn't be more thankful to have you come on today. And uh, you know, stay safe during this crazy time. Thank Thank you so much, Alex.
1: And and for uh, any of the folks out there, I'm at Moshe M O S H E H on Instagram. If you would like to follow,
0: I, I I will say your your story is for me the most interesting part of Instagram. I, I started growing tired with it, and so. I really do enjoy it, and I find it's a very informative way for me to gather a ton of international events. So I I do highly recommend to our uh, viewers to check out Moshe's Instagram. So uh, do well. Thank you.
1: Cool. Thanks, man.
0: Bye-bye.